0: DJ PK and time to talk Cougar football with David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst, former Cougar linebacker. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning.
1: Hey, good morning. How's it going? Good.
0: So, you know, the thing about doing Sports Talk Radio is you can you you have to be good at building storylines in your head, right? You have to find something. There's got to be a there there. And it's easy when BYU's playing the opener with Navy. You know, it's a chance to see the team. It's a good time slot. How good are they? And then the second game, it's like, oh, is that first game a fluke? Or are they going to do that again? And then the third game is like, Louisiana Tech could be the best team they played. So now here comes Texas San Antonio. BYU's 3-0. and They are outscoring opponents by an average of 41 points a game. I got nothing for you. I think BYU is just going to steamroll through this game. I got. It. Can you give us something? Or you got nothing either. BYU is going to win well, this thing by however many Kalani wants to win it by.
1: Yeah, well, you're not the only one that thinks they're going to steamroll. Vegas has them at, I think, they're now like 34, 35 points uh, a favorite in this one. I, I think the storyline going this is, is, can BYU stay on this path of where they're going out and dominating the competition that they should dominate? Uh, and, and can they defend that number 15 national ranking? Uh, because at this point, when you're now top 15, you definitely need to style points in order to stay above teams that are maybe knocking off or, or, or have upsets against uh, higher-ranked teams. And so, um, I think that's the thing with this BYU team. Yeah, they should win, definitely. Now the question is, can they win very convincingly uh, and, and go out there and have almost a flawless performance? Uh, so, that, I think that's the that's what this is focused on right now. Of course, why UTSA has a chance to come and bite you, and uh, you know, they can come out here and beat you. But I think you look at UTSA, this is, this is definitely one of the weaker opponents. Their record says otherwise. They're 3-1. Um, but, you know, you look at the games they played, and they barely eked out victories and double overtimes and uh, beat a, barely beat a, a bad middle Tennessee state team. So, um, yeah, it's no secret. BYU should win. win this one pretty handily. But how do they do it? That's a big question mark. Can, you, can they go out there and dominate like they've done in the first three games? I think that's what uh, you know. All the national writers, as well as all BOE fans, wanted to see them do: go out there and, and play good, solid football. And, and I think we saw that. We've seen that. Although Louisiana Tech, they had some penalties, uh, which which was something they hadn't done the first few games, and so that's something you can clean up on. But other than that, that game against Louisiana Tech was man, it was pretty much flawless.
2: So. If you look at the level of competition and then you combine it with the BYU football team, which has a lot of experience, I mean, they were set up coming into this season, I don't know what their record would have been, but they were set up to have a fair amount of success based on the fact of the talent combined with experience. Put yourself back in your college day and maybe even in your NFL day. How much better were you as a player after year three compared to when you first got in the program?
1: I'm telling you, it's it's night and day. I mean, I remember my freshman year, uh, there was some injuries, so I ended up starting my freshman year. And I came to that game, it was like bullets flying. I, I, I remember just the, the, the pace of play. Because practice is one thing. Uh, but then you get out there on the field and you're going to get live action and get to another team. It's, it's completely different. Uh, and, and then, of course, sophomore year, it started to slow down a little bit uh, when I came back on my mission. But then junior and senior year, when you become that upperclassman, you've now had you know two years underneath your belt. You're more mature. You understand the game a little bit more as well. It starts to click. Uh, but more than that, you've now seen a lot of reps. And so you, you understand opposing offenses. Uh, I, that's when it starts to slow down. And I think that's progression you're starting to see with this team. Uh, not only Zach Wilson, which, which is obviously uh, pretty evident with him completing almost 85% of his passes. Uh, but more, the you look at Gunnar Rami, a kid who has started since his freshman year. He understands zone coverage. He understands where to sit in the pocket uh, and, and try to make himself open for Zach. Uh, he understands cover two and, and where that window will be between the corner and the safety. And so all these things uh, start to click as you get older and older uh, and you've seen opposing defenses. And, and now when you're game planning, it all makes sense. I think that was the big thing for me as well when I jumped to the NFL was, um, you know, the NFL defense become more and more complex. Now, I remember the same thing. My rookie year, it was, uh, you know, my head was spinning once again, trying to learn these new defenses. But then as you got into my second and third year, it all starts to click on why safeties are rolling down and you start to understand the whole defense as a whole. And I think that's what you're seeing from this team. A lot of these kids were thrust into starting situations as the freshmen and sophomores. They were just a really young team these last few years. And, it, and I think I've mentioned this last few weeks and it showed on the field, right? I mean, you we had, you had some bad losses because you didn't have the maturity and the understanding of the game and, and how to go out there compete and, and uh, pull out, you know, victories. Uh, but now these guys are older. And, yes, I get that the, the competition's less, right? You're, you're not playing the Washington's, USC's of the world. Um, but, you know, what i like to see from them or what I have seen from them is the fact they go out there and, and they're executing well. They're making – Zach Wilson's making the right reads. Uh, he's spinning the ball in, in, in tight windows, but uh, at the same time putting the ball in where the receiver can go and get it. And, and defensively, uh, they're executing well. You, you look at the linebackers, D-line, the, the secondary. Uh, that game against Louisiana Tech defensively, although they gave us the most points they've given up all season, uh, mainly one because of that big screenplay to their running back uh, Smoke. Uh, but other than that, that, that defense was flying around, making plays, uh, putting the edge on the defense, uh, just wreaking havoc. And it was it was fun to watch everybody. And that's what's kind of been these first three three games. It's been all around performance by offense, defense, and special teams. So it's been it's been fun to watch.
0: So we spent a lot of time talking about the offense because. That's what we do. So let's talk a little bit more about the defense because Louisiana Tech was, um, you know, they'd scored enough points even though I didn't think they were going to win the game. I thought they'd be able to score. You know, maybe they could get 20, 24 points, something like that. Were you surprised that after Smoke broke that big play that they didn't score again until garbage time?
1: You know, I was a little bit. Although when you look at that play, I mean, there were just some bad angles uh and, and really bad tackling a couple guys literally just tried to throw their bodies in front of them to trip them up um and uh he just came out and, and, and kept running so i i looked at that play and said well they we can't really move the ball well against the defense besides that big play so I was, I was cautiously optimistic and then sure enough they i think they they huddled up on the sideline and probably got ripped into by the coaches uh but then they they decided to go out there and continue to play ball and Listen, you give it, we give a lot of credit to these players, but this, this coaching staff on the offensive of defense side of the ball, they deserve just as much credit. I mean, the, the game plans they're putting together and um, the development of the players that we're seeing, I mean, it, a lot of it's coaching as well. So it's, it's kind of an all-around effort. But I love watching this defense. I love going back and watching the film because the guys are in the right gaps, in the right positions, uh, and they're going out there and winning their one-on-one battles. And, and that's the thing with defense. You know, when you're trying to get off the block, um you know can you go up there and force it and then make the tackle a keen an example a middle linebacker who came up against Louisiana Tech, beat the tackle the tight end came to try and chip him he beat the tight end and then he was there to assist on a tackle for loss and so it's just it's just great football play by these the defense uh and and once again it's a lot of guys doing their job and and um you know going out there and, and win their battles so it's, it's funny, and of course, once again, when you have Kyrus' tongue in the middle, that's just swallowing up blocks and wreaking havoc, it, it helps that whole defense around them, and you're seeing everyone kind of be the benefactor of, of Kyrus, this massive human right there in the middle.
2: So, from the BYU perspective, this is a great question to have to answer, but as you watch this football team, who are you more impressed with then, the defense or the offense? Uh...
1: I'd say the offense only because I feel the defense has been pretty steady the last few years. But I think offensively, uh, you know, Zach goes 24-26 this game. And, and it wasn't like he was just checking down the whole game, right? It wasn't like he was just throwing five-yard outs and, and seven-yard, eight-yard curls. He was stretching the ball down the field and had some had, had some lasers to, uh, to Gunnar Romney and Dax Mild and uh, Carter Weed on a touchdown. I mean, he was putting them in tight windows and, and just deliver them on a rope. And, I think that's the, the most encouraging thing. I think that's why Zach's getting a lot of praise is because people realize that he was coming off an injury. He, wasn't, he hasn't been healthy the last few years, uh, and now he had a chance to rehab his injury, and now he's going out there, and, man, he's got that arm strength. A you know, couple of those throws were from the far hash to the opposite numbers, uh, and it was, just, it was on a rope. And, and It's so tough to defend against that because when you see a quarterback roll the other way, you figure that now half the field is taken away. But when you got a guy like Zach that can then turn around and deliver the ball back across the field, as a defensive guy, it's so tough to defend. And uh, he's got receivers that understand that at any given time, they can be thrown to. And so they they keep the play alive. They're still working hard to get open. And, uh, you know, Dax Mill in the the last game, he had a deep play on the first drive. Uh, There was probably like a 30-yard comeback. It's a prime example of uh, just keeping the play alive and, and Zach delivered the ball right there on the sideline that Zach just kinda of toe touched on the on the sideline and, and got in. But um I don't know, I would say I'd say probably I, I love defense. Of course I'm a defensive guy, but offensively they've they've been impressive and, and like I said a lot of it's because of Zach.
0: So uh this week Kalani Sataki came out and really uh was talking to, to he was talking in the media, but he was talking to his players about not getting the big head, not buying all the hype. How big a concern is that in your mind?
1: I think it's a big concern. I mean, listen, this day and age is so tough, right? All these kids are on Twitter. They're all on Instagram. There's, and there's, there's so much talk out there right now. It's tough to, to not buy into it, or at least not read it, right? I mean, the, you can read it and buy into it. There are, are two different things, I think. Um, but – I think this team, going back to what we talked about earlier, I think the fact that you've got so much leadership and, and now older kids, more mature kids, uh, I think uh, it doesn't affect them as much as maybe it would have a couple years ago. Uh, I think this team realized, and you hear all the sound from the players, right? I mean, they're saying the right things, of course, uh, that we haven't done anything yet. We've got to prove ourselves. Troy Warren mentioned that yesterday. I think Zach did as well, um, that we've got to go out there and keep proving ourselves week in and week out. So they're saying the right things. Now the question is, do they believe it or not? I think they do. I think they realize... I'll tell you what, if, COVID, if there's anything positive out of COVID is that these kids, I think, are taking each game one by one and they're not taking anything for granted. I think, I think they truly do feel fortunate. They see games getting canceled all around them, and and they say to themselves, listen, this is one more opportunity for us to get out and play. you know. And so I think uh, as a result, I don't think they go into a game just kind of lackadaisical and, and just say, hey, we're going to steamroll these guys and let's be out by the fourth quarter. I think these guys understand that tomorrow something could blow up with COVID and next thing you know, you don't have the rest of the season. You're done with your season. So they're trying to take every opportunity to take advantage of it. Um, and it's, it's, I, I think that you can stay grounded, but listen, at the end of the day, you've got, you've got your parents, you've got friends, you've got the media. I mean, everyone's talking about it. Uh, but then, it, then you can kind of flip that and decide, okay, now we got to go defend it. So, so now we've got to live up to the hype and, and prove all those guys right. Uh, So it's another way to kind of spin it as a team and, and try to stay motivated.
2: How about this? Can I argue that well there's a lot of talk and you're getting a lot of love and you can tell Kalani he just doesn't want to answer it and I don't blame him because he's deflecting all those questions he really won't bite on any question that leads him down that road. But can I argue that well we're getting a little bit of the same old argument and you've been a part of it I'm sure well really just how good BYU is and it's gone back to the freaking 70s and obviously 84 and, and you were on some great teams and and I can remember Mike Bellotti were in the Vegas Bowl. I'm not sure if you are on that team or not, but he's be, he was trashing BYU before the game, and then they kicked their butts, and he's trashing them after the game. <laughs> so I was, I was on that
1: team. I remember, I remember those, those comments, but that was definitely bulletin board material. We had yeah, to- yeah,
2: I'm listening to him before because I'm down there covering the team. I worked for the newspaper then, and, and he says it before. All right, I've heard that story. But then he says it afterward. <laughs> you guys beat him like 38-8 to 8 or something. Just really just ran him off the field. And so, can it work to the advantage of, hey, man, we're good and we're getting a lot of love, but still it's a bunch of yeah butts. So, can that work to their advantage to make sure that they have the height and intensity and they don't have any of these forms of letdowns? Because so many people are waiting just to pop BYU's balloon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think so. And, and I think something else you throw in that mix, uh, DJ or, or PK, is, is the fact that they're trying to make this you know, New Year's Day bowl, right? The New Year's, NY6, M- M- New Year's East six bowl games. And so uh, having that understanding and, and be able to push that with the team and say, listen, the only way we make this is we got to be the highest rated G5, essentially, right? You, you, you've got to keep winning. You've got to hope that Cincinnati lose at this point. UCF took care of their, their own, themselves this past uh, week. Uh, but uh, you've you got to take care of, of, of ourselves. And, and the way by doing that is going out there and winning and winning big, because that's what the national writers will then kind of keep climbing up in these poles. And so I think there's definitely motivation there uh, because once again, they're not playing for a conference title. They're playing for the ranking. They're playing for a big time bold in the season. And so I think that's something that Kalani can continue to kind of hit home with them. But um, I'm with you. That's one thing. I mean, BYU, it's always, uh, you know, it, it doesn't help being on the West coast because a lot of time in prior seasons, you know, BYU plays late games and the East coast riders and, and, uh, uh, you know, voters don't don't get a chance to see BYU play, and so they're at somewhat of a disadvantage. Um, but on top of that, this year, I mean, they've played at prime time. They've, they're now getting the love and attention that they should. Are they worth a 15-ranking in the country? I mean, I, I, they look great, obviously. It's against pretty much talent, but, uh, you know, it's, this whole season's crazy as it is. But uh, I'm excited to see them that high. I, I think this is a team that, Definitely has the ability to run the table at this point, uh, no question, and, and it'll be fun to have them have hard tests against Boise State and San Diego State, and even Houston, depending on what Houston team you know we see here in the next few weeks. So, um, you know, it's it's also one of those things where, hey, BYU fans, I talked about this on our, on the show last week, right? We've been through some tough times in these last few years with some rough losses, and so I think BYU fans are just loving the fact that finally this team is is playing up to their potential and and. Uh, you know, going out there and taking care of business. So I think mean, all BYU fans are just kind of relishing in this and enjoying the ride so far because we've been through those, you know, highs of beating USC and then losing to Toledo and USF. And so uh, I think we're all cautiously optimistic.
0: And there's still like three open weeks out there in November and December. What are the odds? Have you heard anything about Tom Homo maybe adding more games?
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely on the calendar. I think he's still working some, some games. I, we've heard that there are some teams that want to play, in, play us and uh, and he's kind of pumping the brakes, hoping to get better games. Uh, so you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think once again with this COVID thing, things change week to week. And so you know, to say that a P five has to has to cancel a game and they still want to get a game in just to play football, uh, and it doesn't work out to reschedule that one matchup, and then so they have an open week there in November, December. So um, you know, I think Tom's smart to keep him open and try to try to get some larger names and as the season progresses that things aren't falling in place and you go scoop up some of these other names that um have been have been kind of knocking on the door so I, I think it's the right approach uh you know who just we just who knows if if you can fill those games with a p5 down the road and i think he understands that he's got to have that strength of schedule as well to be able to bolster his opportunities to to get to a uh you know the, the big the big game so near six games so um We'll see. we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think he's trying. The problem now is if you can a win, you're going to probably have some teams, like an Army, that's like, ah, I think we might pass this year. <laughs> we're, we're good. We'll, we'll let that postponement. it. We'll delay that till later. But, uh, yeah, I think there'll be some other teams, like a Boise State. Frankly, I think the Boise State news was the result of Boise State saying, listen, we want to make a run to New Year Six. We need to have a BYU. If we beat BYU, then that you know obviously helps our, our case. And so – I think it's a you know, mutually beneficial type relationship there where uh, both schools look at it as an opportunity to, to help them kind of propel them to that, that next level. So, um, yeah, and the same thing with San Diego State. So we'll see with scheduling. I, I think he's still working on it. I think he still wants to get to a 12-game schedule. It'll just be interesting to see who those last two teams are that fill in those slots.
2: If you had a son on this team, how disappointed would you be that you couldn't see your boy play in person?
1: Extremely. Extremely disappointed. Mainly because you look at, uh, you know, for a kid that plays for four years, you have six home games a year. You have 24 games over your entire kid's college career. And especially being a, a, a parent now, and my kids are still really young, but I, I look at, uh, you know, all these parents and think of all the time they took into all these practices and, and you know, helping grow up and, and taking the games and, I mean, just everything that goes into it to all of a sudden get to one of the highest levels of college and you can't be in the state to watch them. And I just – I don't know. You would think that there'd be some way to let the parents in at least. I mean, we're talking, there's a hundred kids on the team. So you're talking 200 people. You can't tell me you you can't space out 200 people in that 64,000 seat stadium. I just, I don't know. I don't know how much I buy it, but uh, I I think at this point, this is my personal opinion. I think at this point, uh, the government is called a shot. The state, I, I think it's more just trying to make a point than it is truly looking out for the health and safety. I mean, I, I think we could easily fit in a couple hundred people. It's not a thousand or 2000 people very, very safely. I mean, I go to my kids' soccer games and, and there's parents everywhere, right? There's more than 200 people at LA soccer games spread out between three or four fields. So I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. I, I think it's, it's, it's tough for these, these families. And you, you've you seen in the recent weeks, people starting to, to voice their frustrations. And I don't blame them one bit. Um, because I think it could be done safely. And, and like I said, at least just let the parents in. Give, give each kid two tickets, and he can kind of decide what to do with those two tickets. Hopefully they go to the parents, obviously. But, um, you know, we'll see. I, I think the plan, hopefully, is this week, obviously no fans has been announced. But, you know, there's obviously talks about trying to get fans in the next upcoming weeks uh, when we build really your turns after Houston. So we'll see how that all plays out. But it's, it's a bummer in the meantime, no question.
2: Okay, David. Now, I've known you for a long time. The only reason I will accept the soccer is because he's not or they're not old enough to play tackle football.
1: <laughs> True statement. I got six and a four-year-old. So the four-year-old's <laughs> playing soccer, six-year-old's playing flag football. But, uh, yeah, well, you know, I, this is a dilemma I have. I didn't I didn't start playing tackle football in Texas uh, until I was seventh grade. Um, granted, Wee football still wasn't huge early on there, but I've still got to figure out that, that dilemma of, of when to play football. Uh, when to play my kids, whether it's early on or, or whether I wait till a little bit later and they're a little more developed. It's, it's something I keep going back and forth with. That being said, I think the game and the helmets and all the changing equipment, I think it's all getting better every year. So, uh, I'll probably lean towards a little earlier, but, uh, you're yeah.
0: such, you're such an athlete. What'd you play up until seventh grade?
1: Uh, played five football. I mean, played basketball throughout baseball. Um, you played and then football. Yeah. <laughs> well, for the football boy, it was, it was five football. I played five football, which is crazy. I think that, Seventh grade, kind of old, right? Uh, but we didn't, it was just crazy because in Texas, we didn't have, we didn't have Pee Wee football. You had to drive like 30 minutes to go play Pee Wee football, which is still wild to think. And here in Utah, I, go, I drive by the park and there's like, there's kids that are, I don't know, I think eight years old or something, they, eight or nine out there hitting each other. And uh, it's pretty wild, but um, I, I will find a way. Oh, well, it's a debate I have to have with my wife, so we'll and we'll find a way to get him in there early. David, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it as always. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks, guys.